0: Going beyond the headlines, getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR.
1: Well, he's away. My name is Jody Hughes. I'm filling in for Joe McFarland today, tomorrow, and also on Monday. I'm sure he'll keep us entertained on uh, social media. But if you're listening to the radio here in Calgary, well, I'm the person that you'll be uh, stuck with. Now, we do have a very interesting show coming up today. Lisa McGregor, who I am lucky enough to share a desk with on the weekends at Global News. She is up in Edmonton taking in the festivities. What could possibly go wrong when we send Lisa McGregor to Grey Cup? Well, we'll find out a little bit at 5.12. Big event going on out in Mossley, Alberta tonight. Christine McIver, the founder and CEO of Kids Cancer Care, is going to be out at uh, Aspen Crossing for the uh, first trip for the season out to the North Pole. So the Polar Express rest gets reenacted and tonight is always a special night the first night uh, as the the folks on board are uh, families that are connected to the kids cancer care foundation so we'll talk to her a little bit about what it means to uh, the families that are uh, taking part in this event and uh, give you some more information now coming up in just a couple of minutes we will be checking in with uh, Amarjeet Sohi minister of natural resources I am certain you already also know this, that the Prime Minister was visiting Calgary today. Uh, Minister Sohi was with him. And so we're going to talk a little bit about the fall economic statement uh, and its impact on Alberta. I'm sure you have some questions and some things that you would like us to uh, address. So please feel free to fire us a text 4039748255. 403-974-8255 403-974-8255 and uh, you can message about anything doesn't have to be uh, about uh, Minister Sohi and uh, that check-in the fiscal check-in yesterday it can be about anything we are going to check in now with uh, Minister Sohi Minister Amajit Sohi joins us he's the Minister of Natural Resources and in Calgary today good afternoon Minister.
2: Good afternoon, Jody. How are you?
1: I'm excellent. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Obviously, uh, natural resources a very important topic to folks here in Calgary and in Alberta. Why don't uh-huh. we start with uh, what you've been doing today? What uh, what has been a, as a part of your day uh, on your trip out to Calgary?
2: Well, uh, we have been engaging with energy sector for last uh, number of months uh, uh, related to the uh, Competitiveness issues, and one thing that we heard from them was allow them to, uh, uh, you know, depreciate the existing assets or new investments that they make I- into growing their companies, uh, and allow them to uh, uh, accelerate the depreciation of uh, uh, those assets so they can invest in uh, uh, in-, in growing their businesses. So that's what we have done. Minister Morno, in his fiscal uh, update yesterday, uh, has made that decision to allow companies to depreciate and get credit for uh, uh, investing in uh, in new machineries, and uh, uh, in processing facilities, and uh, and so that's that's one. Uh, and also, we're here to talk about the overall how we are supporting the energy sector and listen uh, and further engage with the industry stakeholders to. Uh, Understand what government can do in relations to the uh, ongoing uh, very serious concern around price differential in uh, in in oil. Uh, so we had uh, Prime Minister was here. Prime Minister spoke at the Chamber of Commerce, and we had a very good round discussion with the roundtable discussion with industry uh, uh, executives.
1: Now, how are you expecting that that announcement yesterday will help out Alberta in the short term, or is this more of a long term plan? Or what do you think will be the immediate benefits seen to Albertans?
2: So what we heard when uh, that when uh, president trump uh, introduced uh, his reforms to the uh, uh, corporate tax that the advantage Canadian companies had prior to those changes uh, was uh, not as attractive anymore. So they uh, industry was uh, asking us to uh, uh, deal with that competitiveness issue and uh, and make some changes. And uh, that change, particular change, where industry can write off some of their uh, capital investment earlier on than they were used to do in the uh, in the past, allows them to save more money that they and invest back into the uh, into the business. Uh, we are also uh, looking at uh, reducing uh, the regulatory uh, uh, burden that industries uh, uh, face. Uh, so that's another thing that has been announced in the uh, in the fall economic uh, statement by Minister Morno. We feel that these changes will uh, uh, help energy sector uh, uh, to meet the challenges they're facing and grow at the same time.
1: Now, I would be remiss if I didn't point out that in Alberta, the one thing that we're often hearing is that uh, the frustration exists because we can't get our product to market. I know that obviously there are uh, steps being taken, but what would you say in response to that?
2: Well, oh, absolutely. I, I, As an Albertan, I share that frustration. And uh, what is going on in Alberta now uh, related to our inability to get our resources to uh uh, markets other than the uh, the US and the huge amount of money that we are losing because of lack of access uh, uh, to uh, to global markets uh, is it, a serious serious crisis uh, and. Uh, and we are committed to dealing with it. Uh, the, the, the long-term sustainable solution to that is to build the pipeline capacity, so we are not dependent on one single customer, which is the U.S. That is why we are moving forward on, uh, uh, on trans and pipeline expansion in the right way, responding to course issues. What we are seeing today in, uh, in Alberta uh, is a decade of inaction and mismanaged by the previous government where they were unable to build a single pipeline to get our resources to the uh, to non-U.S. markets. That's what I'm focused on changing. That's why we're moving forward on the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion in the right way. And the Bridge Line 3, which we approved, uh, uh, in 2016, is moving forward. Uh, that line will be completed in uh, uh, in next year. Once that becomes operational, there'll be added capacity uh, 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 to get our resources uh, to US. But again, uh, we need to move forward on expanding our non-US market, and that's exactly uh, our government is focused on.
1: And earlier today, we heard uh, Premier Notley uh, with her position on on rail cars. And uh, what is the federal government position on that? Are we looking at buying? Are you looking at buying more rail cars? Or how can we make an immediate change and get some of that product out?
2: Oh, my department and my officials have been working with uh, uh, provincial officials to explore interim. Short-term solutions that are workable, that are practical, and uh, and so we are engaging with the province of Alberta to see what the what the solutions are. Even buying a rail, uh, buying uh, more locomotives and uh, and rail cars uh, uh, does not increase the uh, uh, capacity in the in the short term. Again, you're looking at 2019. Uh, rail capacity is already uh, going up. More oil is being shipped. Uh, on the rail, uh, um, more than 270,000 barrels per day uh, is shipped by rail, which is a significant increase over the over the last year, and uh, this will continue to grow. Can we do more? Absolutely, we're willing to work with uh, with the province to explore solutions uh, that can work and that are practical.
1: Now. It was brought up to me earlier today that one of the challenges that we're facing is often we'll see uh, special interest groups that are talking about the oil sands and have very negative campaigns. Uh, is the federal government doing anything to market our oil in a way that expresses uh, how clean our, our product is compared to uh, what some of those campaigns are saying?
2: You know, uh, uh, Alberta's, uh, uh, energy sector has been a source of well-paying middle-class jobs for decades, and it will remain a source of well-paying middle-class for jobs for decades to come. Uh, you know, there's so much innovation happening in the reducing the environmental uh, footprint of the, uh, of the oil sector, uh, you know we are moving forward on building a LNG project in Kitimat that will supply and get countries like China and India off coal uh, and clean there. Their environment. Uh, we have a very good story to tell, which which we uh, always tell to our uh, to our partners. But the unfortunate part is that uh, over the last decade, uh, uh, resource development has been so much politicized, uh, and uh, Canadians have a very polarizing views around uh, around uh, uh, energy development uh, and the actions of the previous government. Had not helped in depoliticizing uh, uh, the situation. It's my focus to uh, pull Canadians together and uh, and make them understand that energy is very important to our country. That is a source of jobs, a source of prosperity. is a source of. Uh, uh, you know building so much things so many things that our communities uh, communities need at the same time we are taking action on climate change uh, that we are very serious about the environmental protection, very serious about uh, community involvement and consultation with indigenous uh, uh, peoples. All those things are necessary for us to uh, uh, continue to move forward on the on the building of pipelines and the energy sector development that 's what i'm focused on
1: minister i'm getting message after message into our text line. Uh, with people frustrated, uh, what they're hearing you say is that everything is the previous government's fault, and they're saying that uh, they're they're just asking what kind of accountability uh, is being held by by your government. Do you feel like you guys are being accountable?
2: Absolutely, we are being accountable. That's why we are doing things differently. We are engaging with indigenous peoples uh, in a different way. Uh, we are responding to the court's decision on the trans mountain pipeline expansion by having NAB uh, do do the uh, review of the marine shipping on, and and the impact of marine shipping on the on the marine environment. Uh, I have met with uh, close to twenty four Indian uh, sorry, town twenty four uh, indigenous. Uh, Groups uh, to uh, engage them on understanding what the needs uh, needs are, and I'll be visiting with uh, British Columbia again to uh, engage with indigenous uh, leaders uh, again. Uh, I think is very important. Uh, that we build our relationship we listen to their concern and we find we find accommodations to uh, uh to their concerns that's the best way to move forward that's exactly what we're doing this is a different approach from the previous government when we criticize previous government we criticize their record we criticize their failure to build a single pipeline to uh, get our resources to uh, uh to non-us markets that's a fact and uh and we are changing that
1: what about the carbon tax i want to take a look at you know What message that might send to the world when we're in a situation where, you know, in Canada, in Alberta, we feel like we're doing a very good job of being responsible citizens of the earth. Uh, When we are implementing a carbon tax, does that uh, potentially send a, a misleading message to people outside of our country?
2: Uh, You know, Alberta has been a strong leader in environmental sustainability. They put a hard cap on the emissions from the uh, oil sands development. They put a price on pollution. Federal government is uh, putting a price on pollution because uh, in order to... uh, uh, demonstrate our commitment uh, to climate change and protecting uh, our waters, our oceans, and our air, and our earth. Uh, uh, we need to be leaders, and we are leaders. P- pollution should not be free, and uh, putting a price on pollution actually reduces the amount of pollution, and uh, it allows innovation in the industry, and it all allows us to uh, tell that story you were talking about earlier on, how responsible development can happen. At the same time, we protect our environment, same time, we grow our economy.
1: When do you think that uh we will start to see some tangible action here on uh on the trans mountain pipeline?
2: We know we have uh instructed the national energy Board to undertake the review of marine shipping uh that review will be concluded by the end of uh, uh february and uh, and we are engaging with uh, 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 First Nations uh, Métis communities on uh, on uh, on the route. All 117 communities we are engaging with. Uh, I, as I said earlier, are personally meeting with them. We have sent out letters to them. Our teams are ready to engage. We are compiling all the necessary information. We are not starting from the scratch. So my hope is that we will be able to move forward on the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion in the right way, in a more in, uh, in a focused and efficient manner.
1: Minister, I just have to uh, stop quickly for a commercial break. I'd love to ask you just a couple more questions, if you don't mind. Yeah. Okay, it's uh, 5.49. We'll be right back in just a moment. We'll continue this conversation. It is 3.51. I'm in for Joe McFarland. My name is Jody Hughes, and we're just chatting with the Minister of Natural Resources, Amarjeet Sohi. Thank you so much for sticking around, Minister. I wanted to ask you about the feedback that you have gotten uh, across the country. Obviously, it feels to me, being in Alberta, that uh, what we're looking for might not be the same as what we're hearing folks are looking for in other parts of the country. Are you seeing uh, it's any difficulty in getting a message across the country for the importance of protecting uh, this mission that we have to get our our uh, product to market?
2: You know, when you look at uh, the, uh, uh, over the last number of months, uh, uh, the support for trans-mountain pipeline expansion has been growing, not only uh, uh, in British Columbia, but also in other parts of uh, the country. Because uh, when you Focused on the resource resource development at the same time, you're taking action to protect the environment. You're taking action to uh, uh, protect the oceans uh, through oceans protection plan, and, or our action to uh, uh, protect protect the residential uh, uh, southern residents killer whales and uh, and marine mammals. Uh, people see that as action that are necessary in order to deal with the impact of. Uh, Ah, uh, tanker traffic and the impact of the of the resource development on the environment. So, see, they see that a holistic approach. That's why we are seeing the uh, the support uh, going up, and we will continue to do this, do that. I know, unfortunate part. I know some people don't like to uh, like to hear it, but unfortunately, the previous government uh, uh, created so much opposition to pipelines by not taking action on the climate, by not. Uh, engaging with indigenous peoples, or ignoring their uh, uh, their rights, or not uh, protecting coastal communities, and uh, and we need to do all those things in order to uh, uh, get projects such as uh, uh, pipelines built.
1: I just feel like in Alberta what we 're hearing is uh the position from from folks in industry uh I feel like the frustration is just getting higher and higher that they're really looking to the federal government for a solution. Do you think that we have one uh that's close and if if not, what is the backup plan
2: well the long term long term sustainable solution is uh Building our pipeline capacity, so we can expand our global markets, so we can stop losing billions of dollars that we lose every year, and that's what I am focused on. We're moving forward, and as I said earlier on Tmx, uh, in the right way. And Bridge Line Three uh, 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 will come into uh, operation uh, next year. We are supporting uh, Keystone XL uh, uh, pipeline at the same time. Uh, we will continue to explore options, working with closely with province on the, uh, 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 to, to find short-term solutions if those solutions are workable and practical.
1: Minister, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate it and hope you enjoy the rest of your trip out west.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Thank you. That's uh, Amarjeet Sohi, Minister of Natural Resources. I'm Jody Hughes, in for Joe. Joe's back on Tuesday. American Thanksgiving south of the border. Here on our side, we have, of course, a Grey Cup weekend, and we have sent uh, my pal Lisa McGregor from our Global News Sports Department up to Edmonton to check things out uh, ahead of the big game on the weekend. Good afternoon, Lisa. Good afternoon, Jody. You are up in Edmonton uh, being the uh, ambassador for our station and uh, taking in some of the big events. So tell us what's happening today in Edmonton.
3: Yes, it's very, very busy right now as a lot of the Grey Cup festivities are unfolding. So last night, they had the, obviously, kickoff party in downtown Edmonton, just outside the Shaw Conference Centre. So today, there's a lot of big events. Obviously, the infamous Tuffy the Horse made his grand entrance at the Chateau Lacombe, which everyone (laughs) looks forward to, every single year. And then we met with players, so St. Peter's players, ahead of their big, big night, which is the CFL Awards and... Quarterback Bolivar Mitchell for the Stampeders is up for most outstanding player once again. So he is a heavy favorite, and it's pretty big news if he once again gets that award, and that'll be coming up later on tonight with the red carpet as well.
1: Now, earlier this morning, I saw that Kent Morrison was joining our morning show on TV, and he was saying, you know, he was a little bit uh, hesitant to say that there would be a huge amount of support for Stampeders fans because it was in Edmonton. What are you finding? Well, I will agree with him on that one. There was kind of a phrase circulating around what people are
3: saying, ABC, anybody but Calgary to win the Grey Cup." So, you know, they are in Eskimo's territory. I mean, it was expected coming in here. But you never know. I mean, it might actually be pretty classic if they don't have a lot of supporters and then the Stampeders come out with a win. And maybe people will change change their ways once game time happens. But I'm <laughs> the other Red Blacks are pretty happy that they're getting a lot of Fans on their side locally, for sure.
1: I heard there are still tickets available because, of course, it's in Edmonton, and so not everyone locally is uh, trying to get into the, see the game. Even though it is a big, big Grey Cup, it's true. And I've even heard from some friends of mine because I'm from
3: Edmonton that you know it would actually crush their soul if they had to witness. Calgary Stampeders win the Grey Cup, so I think it is an emotional (laughs) thing for people that live here. (laughs) However, that's a great deal for Stampeders fans because, you know, you can drive up last minute and maybe get some good deals on tickets, so I'm sure there'll be some available, but it is a pretty special game, and the weather's supposed to be pretty good, and it's going to be an unbelievable match, so I'm sure those tickets will go fast in the coming days.
1: Well, and I think there are fans that will go and watch a Grey Cup regardless. I lived in Edmonton myself for a few years, and I did attend a Grey Cup game, and it was minus 30-something. It's a memory I'll never forget, but (laughs) I think there are people who will go regardless of who's in it, especially if it is as convenient as being in your own backyard.
3: Absolutely, and with so many events around the city, it really kind of brings people together, and there's so much fun going on that, you know, if you're taking in all the festivities and the different, you know, teams where they have their kind of hospitality rooms throughout the city, eventually I think you'll kind of cave because you want to go to the main event. So, you know, it's It's a rare occasion when it comes to your city, so I'm sure it's a must-watch game.
1: Now, that hospitality room, I do love some of the traditions that Calgary brings when they attend a Grey Cup. Yes, for sure. And it's almost kind of, for people that are going through those Calgary Stampede withdrawals, this is the next best thing
3: (laughs) at this time of year because they have even a Stampede breakfast, which everyone loves with the pancakes, and then, of course, they have the Stamps House, which is at Hotel McDonald's, one of the most beautiful hotels in the city of mm-hmm. Edmonton. And, you know, that's where you kind of can hang out with your people, you know, and really discuss the St. Peter's. And, and, and there's a lot of traditions that are kind of coming here. I mean, we saw By Mitchell show up with a cowboy hat and, and his cowboy attire when they rolled through town initially. So it's, it's definitely
1: full of traditions and even the, the parade on Saturday as well. Are you going to give us a prediction for what you think will happen in the game?
3: You know, this is actually a tough one to predict because the teams are very similar and they're all both acting the same. They're pretty low-key, confident, humble, but they all are very focused. I mean, the Stampeders aren't even staying anywhere near the festivities. They are acting like it's not even happening. They're right by the field house. So I do think the Stamps will win because they're kind of... That's the storybook ending for this. And frankly, they need to win this. I mean, they need to, especially by Mitchell. So I'm going to predict... A pretty low-scoring game, but I think it will be the Stampeders to, to really get under the skin of Edmonton Eskimos fans.
1: <laughs> and then they'll never want us back. Exactly, but hey, then they'll have to come to our town next year, right? Exactly. Lisa McGregor uh, has the toughest job in our station right now, enjoying it all the really festivities tough. in Edmonton. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you go out and uh, do some responsible uh, celebrating for me as well. I for sure will be reporting from all the fun events
3: till the wee hours of the morning.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's my girl, Lisa McGregor, Global News Sports. Thanks so much. There's a very special event going on tonight out in Aspen Crossing in Mossy Alberta. Some very special guests will be on board. The inaugural trip out to the North Pole. This is part of something called the Polar Express. They do it every year at Aspen Crossing leading up to uh, the Christmas season. But this night is always, the first night of the Polar Express is always filled, the trains are filled with uh, very special guests. And I would like to welcome to the program Christine McIver. She is the CEO and founder of of a Kids Cancer Care Foundation. Good afternoon, Christine.
0: Good afternoon, Jody. We could not be more excited about this uh, wonderful way to uh, kick off the Christmas season than going uh, on a trip to the North Pole.
1: No kidding. And it might not be as snowy as we'd like, but it'll be warmer than we've had in years past. <laughs>
0: We're all okay with that.
1: Yeah, I think so. Tell us a little bit about, uh, I mean, I think folks are familiar with kids' cancer care, and they know that a lot of uh, events happen to support families, but this one is pretty special because I can imagine that holidays uh, could be a bit of a difficult time for some families.
0: Oh, they sure are. You know, if you've got a child that's going through uh, treatment for childhood cancer, uh, the holidays is very, very tricky. They are going through so much. They might be in the hospital. They might have just got out. And sometimes, well, oftentimes, they're not feeling all that well. And so putting uh, this wonderful event in the middle of their their week of uh and and maybe month of their treatment that uh it really just brightens their day and lightens their load
1: and there are families that attend um that unfortunately their children uh did not succeed in their battle against cancer and it's still important for them to come out and connect with people that they've met throughout their journey
0: yeah, it sure is. You know, it's nice that uh, we blend all of our families together, whether they're on treatment, just on treatment, just newly diagnosed, in the middle of their battle, off treatment, or in the case of still far too many kids that, uh, that they're a bereaved family.
1: And this is just one of many events that you guys do throughout the year. Why is it so important that families have this chance to connect like this?
0: Well, all of our outreach programs really are very vital to... Uh, uh, all of our families during their journey with childhood cancer it gets them together in a in a nice setting and it allows them to just talk with each other and support each other in 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 such a serendipitous way that uh, that they get to enjoy a, a nice outing they know their kids are having fun they're experiencing this uh, wonderful magical ride to the north pole while the play of uh uh, the, the Polar Express is enacted as they are on the train, uh, down at Mosley where it starts off at. And, uh, you know, they just get to suspend their disbelief. And we hope that they just suspend their disbelief of the, the harsh reality that their child has cancer and that their siblings are really, um, uh, Suffering as well, along with them. They're afraid for their brother or their sister. They're worried about their moms and dads. So it just gives the the family such a nice break in this or any of our outreach programs. It's really important to these families and helps them along their uh, road. They're really challenging journey
1: and it must be very complicated because uh in anything in life you would find yourself swinging into such great emotional chasms sometimes i would i would think with this especially where sometimes you have a moment of normalcy maybe that almost doesn't feel right
0: yeah, you can get that uh, that guilt and sometimes it's uh it's a little complicated uh, that uh, you feel like boy my child is doing well and yet you know I'm sitting on this train next to a family who's not doing as well. And so that's really the magic of it as well is that parents can help each other through this challenging time and and uh the kids are having fun. Uh, it 's bliss sometimes that they can put aside that they 're uh, going to be going into the hospital again for another chemo treatment or they have uh, you know eight more radiation treatments to be completed or that they just lost uh, a limb uh, or maybe an eye to uh, uh, to the effects of childhood cancer so this is just um, you know it 's something very special that uh, you, you can 't create it any way but by doing something like this.
1: Well, Christine, if ever there was a living angel, it is you. So thank you so much for what you do for so many families in our community.
0: Oh, it is indeed a labor of love.
1: Your sweetheart. The the inaugural train ride tonight, the Polar Express, starting for the Christmas season out at Mossley, Alberta, at Aspen Crossing. Christine, thank you. Have fun tonight.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, Jody. We will have just so much fun.
1: Just want to take a moment
0: to thank you for taking the time to download and listen to the Calgary Today podcast. Don't forget to subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We'll chat with you soon.